Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 126, a World Cup recap with Jake Marchesani of Socrates Podcast. So Jake and I got together to uh, just kind of go over everything that's been going on because there's so much going on. And if you're wondering, well, where have you been, Sebastian? Why are you not like posting more podcasts? I'm posting a ton of content on YouTube and on Instagram. So that's where you got to find my videos and breakdowns of different things. I'm posting a lot of one minute long things. Every now and again, I'll come back here, post something a little bit longer form for all you listeners. But in the meantime, let's enjoy what's been going on in the World Cup. It's been a blast. And Jake and I break it down for you the best we can. All right, Jake Marjasani from Socrates Podcast and Campfire Football, Sebastian North. We uh, we got through the first installment of the final round of knockout matches, the simultaneous games. Just go ahead and tell me about your morning. <laughs> had a had a good morning. You know, the only bummer that I that I think is that Fox Sports app doesn't give you an option to either watch both games at the same time on one screen or even like the, you know, the um, Premier League goal zone where they'll switch to the other game if it had action. So I had one game on the big screen and one game on the iPad, but had the Ecuador-Senegal game on the big screen because that was the one that was, I thought, going to be a better game, more consequential, and it turned out to be a great game kind of everything you expect, everything you want from a game of that caliber where, you know, all Ecuador needed was the draw and Senegal needed to win similar to the U S game that we will talk about as well. And so when you're in that situation, there, there's two conflicting, you know, styles sometimes where there's a team that's going to be naturally on the front foot because they have to get a goal. They got to get, something and then there's a team that is okay like ecuador definitely seemed content with you know keeping the ball they were they they want to go forward they're they're a team that wants to get forward but i thought the first half you know it was a little bit tense at times a little nervous you know there's a lot on the line and uh but i knew that once the game got a goal it was going to spring to life. And I thought it was a deserved penalty. It was kind of a weird challenge, <clears throat> um, but it was yeah. a penalty. And uh, definitely, definitely. And they got the, that first goal right before halftime. And, uh, and then the second half, great second half, you know, um, I thought Ecuador really pulled the momentum back when they got their goal. And I really thought I was really impressed with Senegal uh, really this whole tournament so far, especially without Mane, you know, they just came yeah. back and they, they came back and, and, and won the game and did what they needed to do to move on. So I very impressed with Senegal and I thought it was a great game, Ecuador, Senegal. I've also been impressed with Ecuador and I was a little bit disappointed to see them go out because I thought they've contributed a lot to the tournament and, um, but only two teams can move on and it was a great, a great game this morning. So that, that was my morning. Uh, we, it snowed as you know, right. I don't know, Denver, you guys probably got oh, some yeah. snow oh, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's not um, morning. So snow, coffee, enjoying the match. <laughs> uh, not much more I could ask for on a Tuesday morning. Yeah. What I, were your thoughts? No, I agree. I mean, 
the physicality of the game. I mean, and and the, the physicality that the players like rode and enjoyed. I mean, you were seeing some bumps, players all over each other, shrugging each other off. And I mean, it is two of the most like actually hard teams that you'll find. Ecuador are so tough. I mean, you know, they they love to play at altitude. They love to run you into the ground. They're so they're so physical, not necessarily massive in stature, right? But then you have Senegal, who I mean, definitely one of the fittest looking teams that I've seen in this tournament. They they are powerful in so many ways. You know, their their quick players are unbelievably fast, right? And then you've got guys like Khalidu Koulibaly, and you know, it's just that they were that lended to make the game feel even more intense. The fact that there was so much of a physical battle, but players weren't just going down, right? Um, there right. were a fair few fouls as well. And then, yeah, the penalty just kind of set things up so that the game just was, now there's no there's no being cagey anymore, mm-hmm. right? Like Senegal know that a one goal lead is good, but like they get scored on and they're out again. Right. It's like they're in a losing position if they get scored on. So getting a second and really keeping the front foot and keeping the momentum they built in that first half was something that they, you you know, felt they wanted to do. But Ecuador, really, they stepped it up. And then, I mean, when they scored, I was just I really had this feeling like, oh, man, this is this is going to be a, a grandstand finish, you know. But within three minutes, another three set minutes. piece. Um, One of the funniest things was for Ecuador's goal it's a corner kick gets flicked and everyone's rushing out right and it lands at the guy at the back post to Caicedo and he just taps it in all the Senegalese players are raising their hand for offside they don't realize that they have a guy standing on the the post post. (laughs) it's an amazing thing right and Uh, it just made me laugh because I'm like you know how often I hear the well if you had someone on the post it wouldn't have been a goal and here's that situation where if he had run out with the rest of them Mm-hmm. guys they'd have been offside but for me the biggest moment was right at the end seeing LUC say just like pumping his fists and and being happy and I remember I think Senegal were knocked out of the World Cup in 2018 off the seventh tiebreaker I think it was to Japan they that's they, right it was like yellow cards are the reason they didn't progress to the next round that's and right. points. you know and like uh it was gut-wrenching to see them go out that way and so they've won AFCON this year and so to see them progressing to uh, the knockout stages I think is is really awesome my heart goes out to Ecuador I really like like you I I really enjoyed watching them but they're in a group with the Dutch and Cody Gakpo so and that actually can bring us to our next one because that's who the United States is going to play so I know you had the U.S. Iran on the big screen and not the tablet of course (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even get to watch any of the England game uh, because you know we uh, we ate lunch. Uh, my my wife homeschools, so we have you know her with the two olders. We got seven, five, and a one year old. So we were all eating lunch, watching the game on the first half, and then we all went upstairs. And uh, a lot of the kids watched the the second half with us. And my wife, it was a college soccer player like I was. We play at the same school, so. Um, she likes to watch the games too. She's a soccer fan. So she doesn't want to, she doesn't like missing it. And of course we, uh, we watched this game today and uh, you know, 
honestly, after the, the I feel like the Netherlands have really grown into this tournament. I, I, I didn't, they didn't really impress me too much in their first two games. Now I'm not saying that they all of a sudden magically impressed me by the way that they beat uh, Qatar because everybody beat Qatar. Um, but I do feel like they've, they've kind of found a rhythm. I watched, you know, I had that game on, so I was watching a little bit of that game as well. Uh, and yeah, Cody Gakpo, I mean, interesting story with him. He was on the verge of going multiple places this summer. Uh, and he was a relatively unknown uh, guy. Uh, there was a lot of promise, you know, he almost, there, there was talk of him going to man United. Then he almost went to Leeds or Southampton, uh, which mm-hmm. I thought was was crazy because now he's tearing it up with um, PSV and obviously his value has skyrocketed and he's played great. You know, they, I was worried about how the Dutch were going to score because they don't really have uh, a true number nine. They got, you know, false nines all up there and even Cody Gakpo. Well, they do have Nigel De Young in the squad. Don't forget, if you, <laughs> if you need to put balls in the box and have a guy head it, he Get did it in Barcelona. In yeah, you know, he was doing it in yeah. Barcelona. So, <laughs> yeah, Frankie De Jong hooking up with his brother. But I thought the goal that they scored against Senegal to kind of break that game open, where De Jong sent that really nice ball in the box, and all Gakpo had to do was just get his head on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought that was a great goal. I don't think that the Netherlands are a super strong, you know, group winner. And I think out of all the teams that the U S could have drawn, I'm okay with that. I'm good with them playing the Netherlands. Um, Right. I mean, there's, you think about France, Brazil, uh, Portugal, looking like they're going to top their group, even Croatia, right. We'll get to a lot of these guys, but I feel the Netherlands is not that bad of a team to play if I'm the U.S. Um, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. I think that'll be – I actually think it'll be a really good game. You know, obviously, Netherlands like to keep the ball. They they don't – they're not as much as total football as they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might that, – that may be a good thing. That maybe not may not be a good thing. Um, but I think it's going to be an intriguing matchup, U.S. versus Netherlands. Um, I love your thoughts on Netherlands before we get to uh, U.S. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say Cody Gagpo's got two quite stunning finishes. I mean, the the goal and 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 three different goals, right? He's got a header, and look, you've Edward Mendy's not a small goalie, so if you're going to go and be like he's brave, so that 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 mm-hmm. goal was a mistake by the goalkeeper, but you got to be brave if you're forward and you're willing to get there. You know that that that's a start. Um, the goal he scored against Ecuador was outstanding. Left foot finish, top corner, just a rocket. Mm-hmm. And then today it's a right footed finish where he's got to take a couple touches to get himself set, and then he curls it like. He's, again, he beats Edward Mendy, who's, who's a big goalie. He's, a, you know, even if maybe he was slow to get, but I mean, the shot was very good. The shot was was unsavable, I thought. Mm-hmm. So three different types of goals and confident, right? So he's he'll be an issue because I don't think the U.S. has actually faced a center forward like him yet, right? Iran didn't, Taremi doesn't have the pace. Uh, neither does Kiefer Moore. And then England, it's a very different type of, setup it's a uh, harry kane who drops 
you know, 50 yards from goal as a playmaker at mm-hmm. times, right? And so you're not dealing with that same kind of vertical threat. You're dealing with more wide players, which I will say that feeds into the U.S.'s hands. Gareth Southgate's got a, an issue on his hands because b- between Dest and Robinson, you have two of the quickest left backs that I've seen in the whole tournament as a as a mm-hmm. as a double. There aren't very many as quick um, on the first few steps, which showed today Iran could they really struggled to get around um, on the outside and get crosses in. And that's because those two were quick enough to kind of shut anything down. And that was those two have been super impressive. So I think that might, uh, you know, that might help. But if you've, I, I don't think the Dutch are playing with really top wingers. They're playing with really good central midfielders and then a nine that's that's floating around scoring goals right now. And then Memphis Depay is a difficult player to mark, right? Mm-hmm. It's he he moves around. It's going to be a really interesting game. I, I thought that, uh, I I think that. The U.S. also, you know, when you have to face people like Virgil van Dijk, they, they do still have in every line, the Dutch, they have everything that they need. So when I'm thinking about them right now, I'm like, well, they've got one game uh, with each of these teams just have a game. And if they lose it, they're out. Mm-hmm. And I feel that uh, Holland are just slightly more equipped in all areas. But I also don't know. uh how well the defend they'll defend some of the U.S.'s big just strengths, which is wide play and um, just being able to get uh, control of the midfield. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, a battle of Eunice Musa, Frankie De Young, like that's a really that's a really tasty that's a tasty fight right there. So yeah. I, I, I agree with you; it's a good draw for the U.S. I mean, this is not a vintage vintage Holland side, um, and and so therefore. Uh, though, though they've been good, I, I don't know how much higher their ceiling is. That's that's kind of what I would say. Agreed. About the Dutch, you know, I, I'm sure they can they can beat teams, but if they go up against a real like one of the heavy hitters, I just don't mm-hmm. see them. Uh, you know, anything can happen in a game, but I just don't see them really. I see them having to suffer a lot to beat anybody that's kind of on that level. Yeah, I, I see that as well. I think that they're. I think that the the Dutch squad is probably in the maybe like some of the best of the rest. Uh, you know, when you look at the top teams that are really projected to to win this tournament, um, Brazil, Argentina, France, even England's in there, although they're I feel like they're hit or miss. I mean, they had a Portugal, you know, Spain. Portugal, Spain, right? But possibly then I think Germany. that, yeah, possibly Germany. And then you got Netherlands right in there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with you. I think one, one matchup I'm, I'm really interested in, in seeing is uh Dest out there on the right going against daily blend. Cause mm-hmm. we know that daily blend, I love him as a player. Um, you know, he played for, I thought he had a okay spell at man United. I liked him there, but he's not fast. Nope. And you know, the way that, the Dutch are playing kind of that three center back, you know, um, set up and then blend is out on the left. I think that could be an area that they, that the U S can look to try to get in behind and uh, utilize uh Serginho desk pace. I thought, I thought he was quite possibly the man of the match today. Uh, when we looked at the U S game, 
and this could be our segue into the U.S. Uh, Iran game. Yeah. Um, I I I enjoyed the game, but I also was like, I just felt like it was classic U.S. men's national team doing just enough to get through, making you real nervous as a fan, uh, and and just like, ah, uh, you know, like almost the bare minimum to get through to the knockout round. I mean, it, it definitely reminded me a lot of 2010 where they needed that uh, yep. they needed the draw against Algeria. And um, I had a crazy story about that one, but I was at the 2010 world cup in oh, South nice. Africa and um, we were on a plane. We had, we had watched the um, one of the games. I, I, I might've been Portugal we were flying on a plane and the game was happening while we were on the plane going from Cape town to Johannesburg and we <laughs> landed. So we were like all intent, like there's a lot of Americans on the flight. So we had no way of knowing, cause this was 12 years ago. We didn't know what the score was. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're with, you know, very spotty, you know, data service on our phones, trying to update and see what the score was. And it, I remember I had my phone and it was the 87th minute, 90th minute, and then like the 92nd minute or what, I don't know the exact, but it was, I, I lost hope. I thought, okay, we're hitting the 90th minute. No way. And all of a sudden we got the goal and the whole plane erupted. And of course that we needed that goal to send yep. us through to the next round. And I kind of felt similar here, you know, we we had to win and we just won one zero. The goal was phenomenal. Uh, I thought the goal was great because it, it was a change. It was a change in, in attack from the U.S. You know, they had been building down the sides and they had been getting some some crosses in. I thought Iran, you know, they're defending with a back five for the most part during the game. And they were blocking crosses. They were clearing out crosses. I thought that, you know, Iran was defending pretty good. And we were kind of sending it down the, down the sides. And then all of a sudden, you know, McKinney picks out that long ball, which is just a change of attack. And I thought that was really good. And it was a perfect ball. And of course, you, as a, as like a, as a, with a coach's mindset, as you have, you're hoping, okay, just head it across, right? Don't try to score this, head it across the goal because of where he was positioned and everything. It was, he, he couldn't score. And he, and he headed it. And of course, um, Pulisic ran in and had a brave finish. And obviously, you know, he's day to day. Now they said an abdominal injury. So I thought the goal was great. I thought overall, you know, with about, what was it? 30 minutes left, a couple substitutions, maybe a little less 25 minutes left, um, kind of packing it in a little bit. I thought, I thought the U S has the quality. That's one of the, my pet peeves. I hate when teams, just make you know multiple defensive substitutions and just try to hang on. I I just feel like you're inviting way too much pressure, and there was some scary moments at the end. I think they have the talent and the ability to to see a game out and possess the ball in the other team's half and and manage the game versus is just put in uh, another defender. And I thought. To his credit, Walker Zimmerman did great when he went in there. He was winning headers. He was clearing the ball. He did great, but the strategy is not my favorite strategy of 
holding on, you know, holding on for dear life almost is, uh, is kind of what we did at the end there. So I thought it, I thought they were okay. You know, one of my gripes about the U S men's national team is I just feel like they are overhyped and underwhelmed uh, when it gets down to it. And, uh, and so I tend to be a little hard on them at times. My wife is like, give them a break. Come on. And I'm like, yeah, I should. Cause I did not play at that level. I played in college and I was done. So I don't want to be too hard. Um, but I do feel that there's some areas that, and I think some of it is down to coaching and some of it is just down to, you know, um, I think experience as well. You know, the team is pretty young, so it's definitely exciting for the future. But I just thought there were some real good areas. Like you're playing Iran, you can see the game out. You are better than them. And, uh, you know, why? I thought it was a little early when he made some of those defensive substitutions. I thought I like to go like for like and and keep the shape. I was real nervous because, and I'll turn it over to you at this. <laughs> I'm rambling. Oh, no, yeah, bit. keep going. No, you're good. Um, I told my wife two things. Number one, at the 68th minute, I told my wife, we need to sub uh, Josh Sargent. He's played great, but it's time to get fresh legs up top. And then like three or four minutes later, he goes down with a potentially scary injury. That was, wow. What a weird. (laughs) I mean, goes to show you the elasticity in those ankles. Mm-hmm. His ankle shot him like up in the air. I'm going to have to yeah. show that. So my, my, my girlfriend's a massage therapist. Like my, my partner, she's, she's very like one of the things that she loves when watching, you know, soccer games is she just looks at, you know, the way they run and their stature and everything. And she's always just like fascinated with all the different sort of body looks that soccer players have and just the way they move. Everyone looks kind of different. And then, like, there's certain injury things that I've shown her before. And, I mean, this is one that I cannot wait to show her. Because, like, I, really, <laughs> he, like, lands on his ankle and it turns. And it's not like he pushes off. It just shoots just him up in the air. Him up. Yeah. It was crazy. So that that looked that looked rough. I, I hope that, you know, he's just one of those, you know, they're pro athletes. They Sometimes yeah. things like that are just a weird twang. And I, I just hope that doesn't, like, end his World Cup. Um Although yeah. I got to say that get that tease up Jesus Ferrer for a chance. So, right. Yeah. We haven't even seen him yet. <laughs> no, nope, not yet. You know who else yeah. we haven't seen? Gio Reyna. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Well, didn't he go in for a couple minutes? Wait, did he in... come in today? No, he not didn't today. Come in today. No, no, no. Um, the first game, I think, against Wales, only for a few Maybe minutes. like a couple minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we've barely seen him. Yeah. That was, inter- that was interesting to me. What's with what's the, I know there's a controversy going on with him right now. Um, I didn't really read the the story about it. Apparently, oh, he, was, he was told to lie about something. I'm not really sure. I didn't. I just saw it as a headline. Mm. I didn't really read the story. Um, yeah, that hasn't come across yet. I haven't, I haven't seen anything yeah. about that. I'll look into I, it. I would like to see. Yeah, I mean, I know he's he's been coming back from an injury this season. But yeah, I, I would like to see him more as well. I mean, maybe. Obviously, Pulisic is day to day, but I think Brendan Aronson could start. You know, he he brings a different I dynamic. I love Brendan Aronson. Why not? I I so I don't think I told I told my wife when when Pulisic went down, it looked like he was going to have to go out of the game early. I thought, you know, there's not going to be a drop off because we're going to put in Brendan Aronson. I think he delivers actually um, 
you know, more quality in some areas uh, mm-hmm. and a different look, but it's not a drop off. So I wasn't, you know, not worried about that, but yeah, I, I, they said on the sideline that Sergeant was in tears um, cause I think he thought it was really bad. But then at the end of the game, I saw him with a smile on his face. He was walking, walking. around yeah. hugging everybody. So mm-hmm. hopefully, cause I thought he, he, I thought he played his role well today. He was holding the ball up. He was an outlet. So I thought he did well, but again, we've only scored two goals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think way goal scoring output uh, could have been a little bit better today just final mm-hmm. ball shot blazing over, you know, that kind of thing. It's funny because I'm so used to this because he plays for Lille, which is the mm. French team that, um, that I, that I'm a fan of because that's where my mom's family's from. Mm. Okay. Um, and I've been watching him for a couple of years there. Uh, same with, um, uh, Jonathan David from right. Uh, Canada. Right now, Wea has explosive pace. And sometimes when he like really gets in behind a ball, you're like, you, you frequently think to yourself, all right, flash it across the goal. And then he just goes for like the near post top corner, just goes, goes and it's just like out. And you're like, man, like he's got such, such good things. And, and that finish he had in the first game was outstanding. Um, just a calm, collected, composed outside of the foot, out of the keeper's reach. And I think today just final balls from him really mm. could have made a difference. I thought Iran offered very little in the first half. It was just more or less a few counterattacks, not very good balls. I think they, I'm not sure what it, what it was. They looked more exhausted late as, as the game wore on, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but motivated as hell. So that wasn't, it wasn't like that they were slowing down, but you could see that some of the decision-making at certain moments, um maybe a desperation pass or a desperation tackle especially in the last 20 minutes which is i think fine that's that's what you bring walker zimmerman on for in this if you've decided to not start him for the tactical right. reasons that you have then it makes sense when the ball is going to be going up and everything's going to be aimed for taremi right like that's they're going for taremi all the time and he, they had a great battle, those two, in the time that they were mm-hmm. on the field. I think both of them won a few headers each. But the key is that Tarmi wins those headers handily over anyone else, meaning he can really put them in a spot. He can, but with Walker Zimmerman, it's like, man, you got a big body on you. You're not getting a clean, clean, easy right. contact, and he might win a few. So that was a big, uh, that that was a big plus, I thought, in terms of substitution. I don't think Shaq Moore did much great, but I don't I don't know. He was able to clear a few balls and be in a few positions. I, like, mm-hmm. I don't really know what more you want from a fifth defender in a game in that scenario where you've clearly said, all right, we're pulling this guy, these right. guys back. Uh, Haji Wright. Uh, I was talking to – I was texting with uh, the head coach of the high school I work at, and we were like – when we were in semifinals, one of our players were winning one nothing, and one of our players gets the ball and he just starts driving at the goal. And it's like a minute left in the game, and we're screaming, go to the corner, and he tries to score. Mm-hmm. And then the other team, like, of course, guts up the field and you know, tries to build a chance or whatever. And today we were talking, we we're like, Oh, yeah, because at the end of the game, he said, Quinn, next time this happens, go to the fucking corner. <laughs> Great game, though. <laughs> 
great game. And then he, <laughs> he was like, he was like, I just, you know, you have to. Right. Right. Funny thing is this kid got a breakaway with like 20 seconds, 30 seconds to go in the final and we're up to nothing. And he just, and he actually, that one he took to goal and scored, which yeah, okay. it's like may yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. When you're up to no, but that was a moment. Haji, right. What are you doing? Taking a, a one touch off balance, weak footed shot. Mm-hmm. When you can just dribble the thing away. And I guess yeah. this is where it's a young team. This is where there is definitely, uh, I'd say, certain decision-making at times in the game got a little bit weird. Um, mm-hmm. But the the opening crew, you know, that starting group and then Brendan Aronson uh, and then Walker Zimmerman, because he's already, he's already played two full games, you know, and he's mm-hmm. he's, he's gone through uh, everything so far. So I I think that is where it's positive. Christian Pulisic said he said he'll be ready by Netherlands. I'm I'm sure he's going to want to play. I, right. I, look, I how many players are 100 percent? Like none. So like yeah, <laughs> everyone's kind especially of during a Winter World way. Cup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Yeah, so look, I I think it's it's really really positive for for the United States. I think the game was was good. The goal was great. I actually thought he was going to volley it across. I was kind of surprised he mm-hmm. stepped into it and headed it, because um, I just kind of figured he would just like wait for it to drop down and side foot it across the goal. Yeah, but it was the clear obvious thing to do. McKinney was good, very good, but I, I, my man of the match was Yunus Musa, and then I mm-hmm. actually give Serginho Des close second, and Serginho Des is a player who's actually impressed me a lot in this World Cup. He yeah. looks really good for this U.S. national team. I don't know. I've never really seen him be all that convincing at club level. Mm-hmm. Um, at you want him to. It's like, oh, he's at Barcelona. Oh, come on. And he well, does. And I just want to see him do what he does well, and he's starting to pull out some some creativity, some flair. Like this is what the team needs as well. They need some players that mm-hmm. are willing to, to, to be brave. Tyler Adams got to give him a huge amount of credit. Cause he was outstanding today. I thought as well. I mean, he's, he's been yeah. really good in every game. So it's a cool, you know, the coolest thing about the U S this is where I'll give Greg Berhalter a, a lot of coaching credit. He is deploying a flat four, four, two. All right. Mm-hmm. With, outside backs that are fit enough to get up into the attack and turn the midfield into a six or turn the front line into a four. Cause that's really what Destin Robinson can offer. Right. They're just so fit and they're so fast. And like, it's a four man midfield. I mean, it really, it like at times it's, and it's at least that that's what they did against England. And at times to, and, and that's sort of what they were, doing at times today because of the way people pushed on and moved into different positions. So mm-hmm. I loved the four, four, two and against England. I like the way that the team is able to tactically sort of bend and move. Mm-hmm. Um, and look to me, this is the, this is the most interested I've been in a U.S. team in a very long time. They're not really my, they're my, not my first choice coming into tournaments. You know, I'm just always like, all right, we'll see how you guys do. Cause like you said, they're overhyped. Mm-hmm. Um, all yeah. the time, like there's a lot of countries where they, people go to the world cup and they're like, we're terrible, but the U S it's like, we're going to win. You know, it's yeah. not like, uh, you know, it's just that. Yeah. Excited <laughs> go America Fox, like yeah. sports let's go. And I, I I'm for it in some ways, but you know, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I, so 
after the U.S. did not qualify for the 2018 World Cup, I was like, I don't care about you guys. <laughs> uh, and Taylor Twelman, I loved his rant, that famous rant, you know. Famous so rant. I had yep. no what idea. are we doing? Yeah. So in March, April, when you know when it's time to qualify for the World Cup this year, I uh, I had no idea who who was on our team. Um, I tried to watch some friendlies and some qualification games. I wasn't super impressed, um, but, you know, I've gotten to know some of the players, especially with, you know, Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson being at Leeds. And, you know, I, I like to focus on the Premier League. So I, you know, follow those guys and I'm excited for them. So I've, I've learned more about the team as we've gotten ready for the World Cup. But for me, the 2002 team is is probably the best team that I that I've seen at the world cup for us. And that was the first world cup I ever watched. I was like in middle school, it was a, the Korea, Japan. So, you know, you're waking up at 1am yep. or 2am to watch the game and, <laughs> and they overperformed, you know, nobody expected them to do that great. And they got to the quarterfinals against Germany. And, um, but I thought that that team was, you know, an exciting team and probably the best team that I've seen us at the world cup. Um, but if we can beat the Netherlands and we're, you know, we could be in that conversation. I just, I just hope we can score some more goals. Um, you know, we got to find some goals from other, from other people. So if Wea can put his finishing boots on, if, uh, you know, give Ferreira a, a chance to, to get after it, I'd love to see us get, you know, get two goals. Cause right now I'd be like, okay, we'll just score two goals against the U S and you probably can beat them. And uh, so hopefully next round, I'm really excited. I think the game is going to be a really interesting game on Saturday against Netherlands. And uh, we'll see. I, w- I will say in terms of like fascinating game, I think England Senegal is going to be. Yes. I have no idea what to expect that that is a uh-huh. proper tie where you're like, this is everything England kind of, would probably not really want to play against, but they're equipped to do so. So it, I mean, it could be an absolutely t- terrific game. Absolutely. Terrific, yeah. I think that, that one's going to be, I think um, Ghana gay for Senegal got his second yellow card. So he's going to be out. I think that's going to be a huge miss uh, for Senegal yeah. in this game. Um, but, England, yeah. England, to be fair, like to give them their credit, they, uh, I mean, they, they did not, struggle today they were no. way way better than wales obviously wales didn't offer anything in the first half and then they scored three pretty good goals honestly that harry kane assist was to to foden was delightful absolutely delightful yeah, is, yeah i haven't even had the chance to watch the highlights of it yet uh, oh, yeah, i just saw okay. the score line so i'll have to check it out yeah um, rashford had a great free kick mm. um then harry kane put this ball across you to see. I mean, it's just like, just perfect. Yeah. Um, awesome. And then, and then uh, Rashford put in the third, just sort of, I don't know, it's kind of a, it was good. It, they were good goals, but, um, but you know, that was nothing for England. So this will be a proper test. And, and I mean, this is the cool thing. So like the games that are coming, I, I just like of the games we still have to go in this phase, what are the ones that you're most, really most excited for because as we were saying earlier uh one thing i noticed going through all the matches there is not one dead rubber meaning Mm -hmm. and when i say dead rubber i'll qualify it as 
the two teams playing each other are either both in to the next round or both out. Or even right? one is in, one is out. Well, no, right? no, no. What I'm, what I'm saying is we don't have a single game where both teams have qualified or both teams are already oh, out. Right. There right. is something to play for in every game. Maybe there's, you know, there's few eliminated teams, but, and what did you say it was? It was uh, five total, like three qualified, two had been eliminated before the yeah. start of play today. That's yeah. nothing. That yeah. means every single game has something riding on it. Yes, mm-hmm. Netherlands, uh, they Netherlands still needed a result today, right? It, right. It, it, they didn't know what would happen, right? So if they lost to Qatar, you know, they, they could still have gone out. So every single right. game has something riding on it. Some are huge. What are the ones you're most excited for? All right. Well, there's going to be a lot then because there's everything is. On I mean, yeah, there are. Yeah. Um, I want to say Australia, Denmark, um, because, you know, Australia pulled out that win and Denmark is really good, but Denmark is going to need the win to mm-hmm. move on. Um, so I think that's going to be intriguing. Uh, I think uh, the Poland Argentina game is definitely going to be a must watch. That's it's going to be morning. such a, or that's at noon. That's at that's noon, at noon tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's going to be a clash of styles, but Argentina kind of need to win because the way that Saudi Arabia is playing, I think I'd give them the edge over Mexico. Same, so same that. So both of those games tomorrow, those noon games are going to be, I think really intriguing. Um, and then I think the, Man, I, I'm looking through the list and they all look great. Croatia versus Belgium. Uh, it sounds like there's some infighting going on in the Belgium camp. And uh, and honestly, I wrote off Croatia early. I thought they were going to be too old. It turns mm-hmm. out Belgium's too old and Croatia has found their <laughs> rhythm again, found their magic. So, and Morocco, I, I loved that Morocco-Belgium game. I loved how Morocco played and they just took it to them. And they're playing against Canada, who I, man, I wish Canada was not eliminated so quickly. They had the, I, it's I the Belgium the, game. It's the Belgium had the game. Highest, got away. It did. Canada had the highest XG out of any team in the tournament <laughs> after incredible. the first two games. And they only scored one wow. goal. Oh, man. Well, they outshot so, Canada 22 to nine. Or yes, sorry, Canada Belgium. outshot Belgium 22 to nine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my last, uh, Ghana, Uruguay, that group's hilarious. Six, one, one, one. (laughs) Yeah. That, that group is crazy. Um, I like Ghana. I'm also interested, honestly, the Cameroon Brazil game, um, Cameroon, Serbia was a great game. Oh my, that was incredible. And, uh, I'm interested to see how Brazil plays because obviously they're incredibly deep. Do, do they change the lineup a little bit um, to get some of those other guys in? I think uh, Tite has managed that team really well because you have players like you, you have probably nine players in your front four that could play and start. And he's brought them on. He's given them game time. You know, he brings them on at 55 minutes, 65 minutes to give them some opportunity to play. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think the biggest game for me is going to be tomorrow in Group C, Poland, Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Mexico, just because of the way that that group started. There's so much to play for. Uh, any of those teams can move on. That 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 looks to me like 
um, the Premier League final day where you got teams at one moment, they're out of relegation, yeah. then they're down in relegation. And then, you know, Manchester City's winning, then Liverpool's winning. So I feel like tomorrow, those two games are going to have a lot of movement throughout the game until the final whistle. Those are my picks. Well, yeah, and Argentina are, are under massive pressure again. I mean, they have to win. They have to win. I, I'm sorry. like Yeah. It, because, like, if Mexico win and Argentina don't win, it's they're they're all on four points, right? And it's it's it, and Mexico that would be the that would be the most helpful thing for Argentina is if Mexico win and mm-hmm. beat Saudi Arabia. But like you said, Saudi Arabia have been really this is the best I've ever seen a Saudi Arabia team at the World Cup. They're normally they're normally way less just everything. I mean they've mm-hmm. they've been and I know like the game against Argentina was different because it was much more about a tactical approach and just being you know, and defending Argentina. well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the game against Poland, I was surprised they even lost that one um, mm-hmm. because th- for long stretches of the game, they looked better to me, uh, yeah. which says something about Poland. I don't, I thought they were, I, I think they've been pretty disappointing. Um, So it's maybe the best team for Argentina to play because Argentina, yeah. Mexico, I mean, don't even, it's like a Derby in a way. Yeah. It's so fiery. It's so that insane. That game, game was incredible. That was my that was my game of the tournament so far. And I'm people probably might disagree. I know there's been some really good ones. Um, but that's been that was my favorite game, and I thought the best game, especially when I flipped it over to watch it in Spanish, that made it even better. Uh, oh, even though I, I don't speak Spanish. I should have done that. I forgot to do that. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh I, that was um I think I had that as my as my fe- best sort of yeah, most intense. Like, oh god! Like, I'm I, like, I really. There's so much at stake here. It was ugly in a lot of ways, but the thing is, it was such a battle between you know two really, really top Latin American sides, and mm-hmm. it's like you know, with, well, with rich histories and ton, you know, it's there's there's a lot there. So yeah, and then you just have the overall pressure that Argentina was under. I gotta say, the game that ended up maybe trumping that was South Korea Ghana. Because mm. the, so I'm going to take you through that. I, I I did woke up for the uh, Cameroon Serbia game, and that game didn't take long to get interesting. Even though it was three in the morning, I was like, oh okay, they're like you know, there a lot of uh, very different styles of play. Um, yes, and Mitrovic hit the post uh, relatively early, and so it was like, oh, what's going on here? And then when Cameroon scored. I was like, wow, okay, all right. Um, they hadn't been offering a whole lot. And then, bang, bang, two goals in two minutes in first half stoppage time, 2-1. Yeah. And then they score a third. And really, at this point, you thought it was over. Abubakar comes in. And the first goal was so bizarre to be watching. I mean, like, really, like, as it was happening, so bizarre, sort of live, it was so strange. You're sitting there, you're like, He's offside, right? When it happened. And he goes through and you're like, okay, well, they'll just let the play finish. He does an insane scoop. The ball was audacious way higher right than there. the goal yeah. at its highest point. <laughs> Bounced and could have easily gone over it, if it didn't bounce in. in. <laughs> so Crazy. scores that. And, you know, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. We'll look at the VAR and they're like, well, we've been told the goal stands and we'll show you the images of that in just a second. And when they showed on the replay, I was like, 
yeah, I mean, their their feet look about in line, but he looks like he's leaning so far ahead, you know? But mm-hmm. that's the angle that you have on television. Right. And then that one counted in, like, just a few minutes later, he makes another run just like it, and the same defender is behind his back line. It's the same guy who's off uh. his line, who's too deep. And this one was very onside. Like, this mm-hmm. one was, like, not, yeah. yeah, he was very onside. And he squared it for Chubo Moting is three three, and you're like, wow. So that was actually the 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 sort of the appetizer because the main course really was the South Korea Ghana game, mm-hmm. and I'd say it's because of the crowd. Um, it was just like the South Koreans were loud. Mm-hmm. They were they yeah. they made so much noise, and and there's a lot of Ghana fans in there too. I mean, both both sets of fans. And I think there may be something about the acoustics in that stadium specifically. It's the Education City one. Because um, I, I feel like the games have been loud in that place. It's maybe a slightly smaller stadium than the other ones. Okay. I think. Yeah. Um, like in the 40, 50,000s rather than like 60, 60, 80. And I mean, what a game. 3-2. And it was cool to see Ghana uh win funny enough that is the second biggest upset based on the fifa rankings in the tournament and that's strange uh, and i actually FIFA was like rankings. i wonder if there's any upsets that would actually be bigger and when i looked across i was like morocco belgium maybe yeah. but that i would say is the one you'd have based on perception like what belgium is and like yeah. you said belgium sound like they've gone full france 2010 yes exactly <laughs> Well, yep. not full. They they got to knock. If they it get off eliminated, the then they will. Yeah. <laughs> well, they they got to actually not get off the bus to train tomorrow. That's that's if you're yeah. gonna go France 2010, you got to not yeah. get off the bus. Uh, but, but no, I mean it, that those those have been the games that I'm I'm really looking forward to as well. Croatia, man, they that game against Canada, they were impressive. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they pretty much neutered them from the moment they scored their first goal. It was like, yeah, it was a it was a schooling, and that's it, it the thing. Was. I don't know if there's a better central midfield in the tournament. Mm, if you want to name me Croatia. a better three than Kovacic, Modric, and Brozovic, I I struggle to find a better three. Yeah, and not I would some say... teams don't play with a three like that, right? But yeah, I could say that Portugal might rival it close. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah. Um, you know, Neves, Bruno Fernandes, and Bernardo Silva. Bernardo Silva. That's yeah. that would say that's, that's pretty close, good. But, um, but the experience that Croatia's center mids have is you know phenomenal. And uh, yeah, I, I think the, I didn't catch the Morocco game because that was an early three a.m. game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like. It just took them one game to get into it, you know, and uh, and and now they got their they got their rhythm now. I, I I Belgium are in for a very tough game against Croatia. Croatia oh, looks like everything Belgium isn't right now. So yeah, totally, uh, it should be good. Yeah, every game, yeah, every game for the next five four days uh, has so much riding on it. It's going to be it's a fan's dream, you know. Yep. And and then as a as a big France fan, I'm just like, ah, now we get to enjoy just a completely inconsequential rest day for some of the big boys, get some more mm-hmm. of the other guys some time just to see who you can use as options later in the tournament. Like we haven't seen Kamavinga or Ganduzi yet. 
Yeah. Um, Good point. And, you know, it'd be nice to see them. It'd be nice to see Taram start, you know, uh, you know, Kanate can give Varane a rest, you know, uh, just little things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Little things, you know, Kunde can get another run because you know that you can rely on Pavard later, just little things like that. Give you your a rest, you know, put a different goalie in. And I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you see massive changes from, uh, from France, which yeah. will just give Tunisia like, cause Tunisia have fans. I mean, this is one thing about this world cup. All of the teams from sort of Muslim countries have got like, they packed yeah, the house. They've shown up. It's yeah. pretty cool. It's been pretty cool. Like the, the noise with Tunisian fans were incredible. So yeah, they play against uh, France. Don't give them too much of a chance, but yeah, Denmark, Australia, yeah. I think that's huge because Denmark have been disappointing. Yeah, they have. And I think, um, you know, they play silky football, but the end product isn't there. Um, they was the France, was France, Denmark two to one. Yeah. Okay. So they did score, yeah. um, but they don't look likely to score, which is interesting because they did. They scored 30 goals in qualifying, only allowed three. They beat France twice in qualifying. Yeah. And, um, you know, maybe, yeah, they, it hasn't clicked for them yet. But Australia, they're not, I don't think they're the the hardest team that they're going to play. So there's a good, I think they, I, I still give them a good chance to, to move on. Um, France, the nice thing about France is, even though they haven't finished first place officially in the group, they pretty much have um, Aust- Australia like has to plus win four goal swing or something. There's yeah. Australia swing. has to it's win crazy. huge. So yeah, like you said, they can get some good rest and, uh, and get ready for the next round. Uh, France looked great. You know, uh, I, I thought that they would be okay. You know, when I look when and people talked about the curse of the defending. Champions. I was worried. I'll be honest. I was worried. <laughs> I, I got slightly worried after Benzema got injured. You know, it's like, okay, the injuries are piling up. Um, but they've shown tremendous composure. Mbappe has played uh, fantastic. And uh, it's crazy to think that he's only 22 and he has seven World Cup goals already. That's yeah. crazy. So uh, he's been one one of the guys I wrote down on my list of m- most impressive players of the tournament so far. And it's him in a way. It's weird to, to write him down because you expect the world of him anyway. And you've seen mm-hmm. him do all these things. But like. I remember him at the Euros where he was, yeah, just looked immature in the way he was playing. He looked like, you know, in 2018, he was just like, this is awesome. I'm at the yeah. World Cup. I'm just going to yeah. run past people. And he was yep. just like excited and young. And then two years later, you know, you've got, uh, you know, you've got having played with Neymar for a couple of years and um, and in a PSG side where he's able to sort of run the league and, and build up stature and you know, there's all the things of being young with everything coming at you that he just, he had to learn a harsh lesson at the Euros. Like he was mm-hmm. definitely scapegoated by the French for like, he was the scapegoat. Like the French were yeah. like, you're the guy that blew this for us, not just for missing a penalty, but you were disappointing all tournament. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of the way uh, the people were wondering what, which Mbappe are we going to see here? And to be honest, man, he has been, and he's actually picked up some really clever tricks from Neymar. There's some of the ways that he'll, he'll slow people down the way Neymar mm-hmm. does. It's like Neymar loves to lean in, like, I'm going to run. No, I'm not. I'm going to run. Right. No, no, I'm not. The change instead of, pace, of the, yeah. like, instead of the chopping or just like the blistering, he'll like, he'll toy with people more now. 
And yeah. that I think he's completely learned from Neymar because Neymar's the one of the best I've ever seen really at that kind of dribbling. Yeah. Um, and so you combine that with his just insane pace and power. And he's been intelligent. And I mean, he scored some interesting goals, right? Like he had yeah. a header uh in the first game. He had to thigh in that goal where he had to just go in. You got Casper Schmeichel jumping across you, you know. It's yeah. like you know, a little bit of bravery, a header. Um couple good finishes and yeah i mean it's 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 good to see it's good to see from my opinion because i don't like seeing when the uh, when really good teams just kind of struggle and crash out i just don't want argentina to go for that reason as well yeah but like a team that just plays like crap from the opening day and and look just bad like belgium i don't right. mind seeing uh, the backup yeah. at this point i'm just like look your shot was in 2018 and you guys were unlucky that you ran into a france team that just was stubborn enough to survive against you because right. that that really yeah. was it they would have they would have won the whole world cup if they beat france i think they would have handled croatia in the definitely final as well so i i feel for belgium in that way because this whole golden generation thing ends up being more of a negative tag as yeah. opposed to like this team was ranked like one and two for like eight years right but they okay. didn't they don't but tournament football is tournament football, you know. Yeah. Brazil no, haven't won a World Cup it. since two thousand two, so mm-hmm. the great Brazil, right? And I think, I yeah. think that's the thing about the World Cup we have to remember is it's so difficult to win. Yeah. Um, so yeah, who are let, let's think. What what are some of the other players? I I, just, I named a few guys that I was really impressed with. Like I said, I said Dest and um, and Musa. We've talked about Gakbo. Just mentioned Mbappe, Mohamed Kudus from Ghana, but then. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anyone else that you've kind of been like, man, like this this yeah. person's really? No, I like all, I like all of your all of your guys you just listed there. The the people that I would add that the there's two other ones that I that come to mind really quickly that I had my eye on was um, Mendez for Ecuador, who was mm-hmm. playing center mid alongside Caicedo, and unfortunately he got two yellow cards, so he missed today's game. I think that. I thought I was really impressed with him as smaller, you know, feisty center midfielder. Uh, he just felt, I just felt like he was all over the place in their first two games. He was able to control the ball, um, you know, work well with uh, Caicedo. And really I thought Ecuador dictated the midfield against Netherlands for a majority of that match. And it was those two guys in there. So I, I liked him. And then I also liked um, uh, Rodrigo de Paul. For Argentina, I thought. Oh, really? I thought actually he played great in the Mexico uh, game. And, He's on my uh, list of most disappointing players. Really? Me, I actually, thought... yeah. I expected <laughs> so much more. I expected him to be oh, okay. I didn't I have that high be... expectation. He's, you know. He... Look, I guess he he plays at Atletico and and the way he's been playing for Argentina, it, he looks more like a thug in a midfield that needs a passer. And he, I thought he could pass the ball, but he has been so his ball retention hasn't been good yet. I mean, he, he gets into tackles and everything and he, and he's physical and he, he has a big presence. So you you really, but yeah, for me, I've, I've just been like a little bit disappointed. Well, the center of Argentina's midfield has been hollow since the very opening whistle of of the mm-hmm. tournament i was like wait they're playing a front five against saudi arabia and just leaning trying yeah, to get through leaning. and it's like just move the ball around who's the six like who's playing holding mid who's in central midfield who's the pivots and yeah. they haven't had no one passing the ball in there so that's that's kind of why depaul has been a tough one for me but 
Yeah, I think with him, I think him and McAllister could probably be a good duo because McAllister can play the ball. Yeah, and I, uh, I just felt like everywhere I looked in the Mexico game, DePaul was in involved in the action. He was winning the ball back. You know, defensively, defensively uh, in the midfield, I thought he made some good challenges. He broke up some plays from Mexico, and I just thought he was kind of an anchor a little bit behind you know, the front line of Messi, obviously Messi did his thing. Um, but I, I, I thought he had a good game against Mexico and helped kind of seal their victory by just breaking up some attacks by winning the ball back um, and his intensity. So I thought, I thought that game was, he played pretty good. in. so I'd give him, I give him some, uh, a shout for that. Um, hmm. Other than that, I thought you made some kudos for, uh, for Ghana. Two goals, play has been playing really well. Um, Bruno Fernandez, my guy at Man U, I thought yeah, he's, he was... he's been playing well. Um, I, I thought it was funny how much of a big deal everybody is making about this non Ronaldo goal when <laughs> I thought it was pretty obvious for two things. He the I didn't see a the the ball rotation changed when it was live. And then Ronaldo was so quick and eager and so like animated about claiming it. I thought, Ooh, I don't think he got a touch, but I think he's claiming it because but that's he Ronaldo didn't commit to the celebration. <laughs> he didn't do the full celebration. No, he didn't. Like he with, doesn't do it every time. Well, but, I, I think at the world cup, he'll do it every time. Cause he knows the whole stadium gets a rise out of it. The yeah, whole stadium sings yeah. it. Like everyone wants it. Like, you know, it's, I mean, now it's, you're playing the hits at the end of the night here. It's uh, yeah, it's closing true. time. And so he, he's yeah. busting that one out, but you could tell he, he actually went towards Bruno directly. Yeah. They like went straight towards each other. And then there was a couple different like looks they gave each other. So yeah. he knew he didn't touch it. And actually they have scientific proof because the balls have sensors in them. They know exactly if it was touched or not. And, and they right. know it was not even nicked. Right. So um yeah, no, that's that's funny. I, I, hey, I, I'd actually add Andre Kramerich. Um, okay. Who at the beginning of the tournament, I I I like made this video about the Croatia Morocco game, and I said Morocco have like a ridiculous right side with Ziek and Hakimi. They have Buffal on the left, who's really really tricky as well, and they have Nasiri, who's a good center forward. What they don't really have is like high class midfield. Well, that's what Croatia have. What Croatia are lacking is, and they and and Croatia have at least one good winger in Perisic, but they're kind of lacking like that other piece of the front. You know, I was like Kramerich. Right. You know, he's all right, but like, how many goals are he gonna get you? Wow, the second goal against Canada that he scored. The yeah. first touch that he took, I mean, first of all, the ball from Perisic is on an absolute dime. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even have to, like, he as he peels away from the defender, Perisic sees him, and it goes over to the back post. And his first touch is insane. I mean, it's just back three, back about a yard and a half, like, with a little bit of backspin just on the floor, just set up perfectly for the finish. And what it did is it took him away from all the Canadian defenders, I mean, that was outstanding. And so I had to give him some props because I was like, I did not think you were going to pull something out like that out. Yeah. Two goals against Canada and they were big goals. You know, it was yeah. like the first and the third. They were right. daggers.
right? The first one got Croatia going, and the third just killed Canada. So it's yeah. Like, yeah. It How about the did. war of words between John Herdman and uh that was great. there's that's there's been some good uh you know there's there's been a lot of noise, you know, with the um, human rights and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then there have been some fun storylines like yeah. that uh as well. And uh you, you like to get that with the World Cup. It's always that was that was good. It's fun to have those digs. Yeah, we're like the yeah. na- the local medias, the national medias step in and like maybe a head of state says something. Yeah, you love that yeah. stuff. I mean, yeah, as I, I'm actually glad a lot of the noise has been sort of drowned out as the competition's gone on. You know, the lead up, there was too many questions about politics, like just too mm-hmm. much stuff about what can we do about Qatar. I thought that Gianni Infantino's speech in the very early going of it wow. was so interesting because like I know like a lot of people have just been like oh he just came off crazy but I'm like he said some things that run true to a lot of people that were in the room that were not western journalists or that were not westerners so like there was uh an ESPN guy who said you know the one of the Arab journalists who was standing in front of me stood up and clapped at the end of the speech Hmm. right and and was like at multiple times was like really excited about some of the things he said like about colonialism and things like that there were some people who were like yeah it's about time a european came in and said that kind of thing out loud to the rest of you you know and i thought that was really fascinating that like i mean look it's rare you see the fifa president come out and be like all right that's it and but he did say some things that were like dude you someone should have told you you didn't you didn't run this idea by someone this is not going to yeah. sound good like no matter bizarre. how you want to come at it yeah so very bizarre yeah <laughs> but i'm yeah. glad it's all slowed down it's like the games have taken over the basically the the actual sport yeah. takes over it just and does. it has taken over it, it it's been a great world cup i mean when i look back at the ones that i've seen uh 2002 was my favorite and i thought the best world cup that i've seen and um you know, last uh, the 2018 World Cup was good. Uh, I thought there were the, a lot of goals that one. Th- there was a lot some, of goals. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, 4-2 in the final. I thought the final was kind of a weird one. It was a weird uh, game. And so I just Argentina, feel, France, 4-3. I mean, that was yeah, insane. Yeah, that was wild. You know? There was definitely some. There's always great moments. I feel like the group stage has been phenomenal in this World Cup. And we, we still have plenty of drama to come this week. So yeah, I can't wait to finish up the group and, and see how the final, you know, 16 pans out. Cause it, it, I think it could lead into some really great games. Like you said, Senegal, England, what a matchup, you know, you don't get that type of matchup very often. So right. Yeah, there's 16 too. Yeah. A lot of good things to come. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I will say it's, it's really, it's become harder to pick a winner right? Like who's going to end up on top, right? You're kind of like, well, Brazil haven't looked amazing. You know, they haven't really looked Brazil. They've done it in flashes. Argentina Mm -hmm. have been like on the verge of wasting so many people's like bets, like (laughs) just totally torching every bracket under the sun. Um, France look, you know, they look French right now. They don't look, I don't, I think they look fun, good to watch, technical, I think Spain might be the team that has maybe the most um, in terms of 
when they play, they play other teams into their into submission. Like it's like if yeah. they score the goals, you're going to lose because they're yeah. going to have the ball. Um, could Germany wake up? That's possible. Jamal Musiala, actually, that's right. He is probably one of the most impressive players. I mean, the way he dribbled yeah. the ball around against the, and that was cool too. You had Pedri, Gavi, and Musiala dribbling and yeah. playing around each other, and then Busquets looks like Happy Gilmore in the classroom, but. He's still got it. Oh, it's great. Yeah. I I would add Gavi um, has been great. And he he had a great first game player of the match for that. But he's been really, I just love, I'm a huge fan of those two, those two kids um, and the way they play. And then just to put them with Busquets uh, is pretty phenomenal. It's great. Um, I remember seeing something about, um, so uh, um, you have, Iniesta and Xavi, right? So Xavi came a little bit first and then Iniesta came and somebody said, I think Pep said to Xavi, Iniesta is going to like kind of replace you and take over. And then Busquets comes along a little bit after them. And then they said, Oh, this guy's going to replace both of us. (laughs) And now you you got the, these two kids coming in, replacing them uh, it's it's pretty impressive. I, I I love watching them play, and uh, I think I thought Spain maybe took a little step backwards from you know their game against Costa Rica. Now Costa Rica pulled out a miracle win against Japan, um, but I that thought was wild. I, I thought bizarre. Yeah, I thought Spain was going to beat Germany. So Germany stepped up. Uh, in that game and um, played more like we, I think a lot of people expected. And uh, that was a great game too. Spain, Germany won one. And, uh, and, you know, that's anybody's group, obviously Spain are in the driver's seat, but you know, Germany needs a win. You know, it's just like, it's, it's great to have these games that both teams need, need the result. Yep. These are going to be some great games. Yeah, and it's it, the intensity of some of these games is just, you you know, you can feel the moment. You can definitely feel the gravity of it and, like, just how, what's on the line, what's at stake for them, for the players, like, for their individual, like, you know, what they've been dreaming out about and preparing for for so long. And now mm-hmm. they're, like, in these pressure cooker situations where just in 90 minutes, every anything can happen. And, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. It's been an outstanding tournament. I'm glad that... You know, I mean, it, heat is not an issue, right? It's like 80 degree in the 80s, you know, yeah. it, that's fine. I think that what's really cool, and maybe we'll hear about this afterwards uh, when we'll hear stories from the players, is how nice it was to not have to travel far, right? To be able to just yeah. get on a bus and it, within 10 minutes or 20 minutes, you're at the stadium. You don't have to, I mean, the Euros were diabolical for some teams, oh, right? Yeah. They had, like, I think oh. Wales had to play in like Hungary and then like, uh, Spain and then like yeah I, I Scotland or something they they were just mm-hmm. all over the place yeah and and this is going like to like totally be like totally different thing it's going to be like that, that in four years yeah <laughs> again so they hopefully they enjoy it and <laughs> before they start flying even further uh, for the U S World Cup <laughs> I know well and and US, but that's what I think Canada. is like there were a lot of things about this World Cup that people were you know sort of. I don't know how many people were considering what some of the positive impacts would be sure. of some of the small things like, yeah, 
I, I, I don't know if how it changes, how much it changes things that fans aren't drunk in the stadiums, really. Like, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, it, 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 who knows? I, I just don't know what that does to the vibe. I'm, I, and I, I would imagine possibly it makes things some things more cohesive in terms of like energy and, and attentiveness for the game and stuff like that. Right. Um, it definitely cleans up the streets and the, and the, and the areas outside people aren't, you know, sure. as aggressive After, maybe, yeah. you know, and, um, it, and there's just a lot of little things like that, that, that I think have been really interesting seeing, you know, I mean, Saudi Arabia look like they're playing home games, which they basically are. I mean, we're, we, yeah. we're, if anyone wants to understand what that means, just look at Qatar on a map. I mean, right. And uh, it, that there's just so many of these little things that, uh, I, you know, Winter World Cup. Well, I actually read an article of uh, this English guy being like, you know, it was really nice. I, 10 a.m. football is something I've never experienced in my life. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, like we do that every weekend every week but but <laughs> they were like you know those morning games just had this really amazing feel to them you know there was mm. something nice about it and so there's like memories that people are taking away yeah that were kind of unique and uh, do you have any like memories from this that you're like man that was kind of different or i didn't expect to feel that aside from just like great games well i definitely enjoyed watching football on thanksgiving instead of american football i'll put it out <laughs> there um and i i thought that was really cool and fun uh for me like personally, the world cup know, too yeah yeah i know that most americans you know and they showed it because i think they had like record viewership on the uh, cowboys giants game um but i didn't even think about american football because i was so dialed into the world cup so that was a fun thing. Like that's never going to happen again. Watching the World Cup on Thanksgiving, I doubt it will ever happen again um, in uh, in my lifetime, probably, uh, unless they go to two World Cup two two years between World Cups. I think that Ars Arsene Wenger wants to do that. Uh, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't like that. I don't. I don't think they'll actually do it. But um, but yeah, that's been pretty fun so far. Is uh, and then watching it with my kids, my seven year old daughter is uh, actually pretty into some of the games. She asked me good questions. Um, she's paying attention. She's understanding, you know, uh, some of the nuances and, you know, I'm, I'm working on teaching her offsides and how that works. Uh, but I've been, I've enjoyed watching it with her. That's been a really fun, fun experience. I, I've been surprised at how, how into it she has, uh, she's been. So those are some of my memories um, so far. Make some more. Yeah. I, I will say uh, I've enjoyed the officiating. I have to say, I know that the, there's always some calls that are gotten wrong and everything, but the level of time wasting has been pretty low. I just, there hasn't been much. So the officials have been on stuff. They've allowed a lot of plays to go on. They're very quick about making decisions. VAR checks are not like this premier league horror show of three and a half minutes of a guy just being like, yes, agree. I agree and on that. It's like, if he needs to be sent to the screen, they're sent to the screen. I've seen, some referees stick with initial decisions, even though they call some, even though the video yeah. monitor sends them over, I've seen them keep their call. Um, this is all the work of Pierre Luigi Colina, who is head of the uh, FIFA referees. So this is awesome. And I've been loving the hundred minute game because <laughs> here's the deal. If we know that the ball is in play in a lot of games, somewhere around 60 minutes, that's about the average, right? Then you go like, 
Atletico Madrid in a crunch match at home will play like we'll make sure the ball's only rolling for like 40 minutes, 45 minutes, yeah. something crazy like that. I would love to see at the end of the World Cup what the average game time was. And I would imagine it's very it's going to be right around the 60 to 60 minute mark and maybe even better in some games yeah. higher than that. And that's what we want to see. And so the stoppage time is there because let's let's face it, we're we're always like three minutes. That's it. like three goals <laughs> and two substitutions and one guy yeah. walked and got a standing ovation. This is longer than so it's like it's nice to actually see the amount of time added on. Um and it just is kind of fun to see like 10 minutes of stoppage time because it throws everything in a loop. Like you get to yeah. the 89th minute, you still have like a solid chunk of time to either see out a game or to push for a winner. And so yeah. it makes stoppage time more exciting because it's not as horribly desperate. Like you don't just get yeah. one chance. You might get three. And yeah, that's a great like point. Stoppage time of Korea, Ghana was like, it took forever. Yeah. It was like the longest nine or 10 minutes that you could possibly imagine. So, yeah. Yeah. That's been, that that's been really interesting. I, I remember it, it really kicked off because England, Iran, had 14 minutes in the first half and 10 minutes in the, in the, at the end of the game. So yeah, yeah, they started that off with a bang and that has been interesting. I would be curious to see the stats of, did it actually give more playing time Um, and uh, see from there? I think uh, the Premier League has already said they're not going to implement that yet. (laughs) Um, Well, they need to speed up their VAR checks and that's, that's the thing. Like they need to speed that up or, and that's been good at the world. more time. the offsides, the offsides technology has been very impressive to me. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I, I could see implemented, which saves a lot of time, you know, compared to the the VAR checks that we're used to. So yeah, there's definitely some, you know, some some cool things to, that could potentially get implemented uh, moving forward. Um, it, it's been an adjustment, I'd say. I, I've had to adjust to it, but yeah, like today, I was like, okay how much are we going to have in the U S Iran game? I thought 10, it was nine minutes at the end of the game. So that, that led to multiple attacks from Iran. I wish it could have yeah. been the opposite, but, uh, but yeah, you get to see, like you said, not as much desperate attacking, but opportunities to really try to go score for real. So yeah, yeah. there's some, yeah, great talking points, great stuff. Uh, I'm sure we could probably talk all night about it. <laughs> yeah, no, I actually have to eat some dinner at some point soon because because I, I, I walked into uh, the house like at eight forty three or something and just yeah. come from a soccer practice, so I need to eat. But yeah, no, I mean this is, this has been fun. We'll uh we'll, we'll we'll definitely reconnect before this thing is over because it's uh it's really fun. There's just so much to 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 dissect and stuff, and I'm sure the games now are gonna have we're going to see some really juicy tactical battles coming up in the next, uh, in the next week here. Um, the, the next oh, couple yeah. days as the group phase closes out and then the first games and then the games, the, the round of 16, those will be stunning. So yeah, Jake, it's, uh, it was a good day. It was, it was really nice to wake up snowy day here in Colorado and just be able to enjoy uh, seeing the U S get through I, on a personal note, hilariously, uh, so I'm 37. I was born in 85, meaning 86 would have been the first World Cup that I was alive. In my entire lifetime, France, England, and the United States have never all qualified for the knockout phase 
in a single oh, World Cup. This the is same... the first time ever that they've all done it in the same World Cup. Isn't that crazy? Interesting. Yeah. Weird little, good little bar stat for you. I don't know there why you'd have to include <laughs> those three teams together. People are like, that's so random. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, that that's uh that's just kind of a funny little thing that i realized today i was like holy crap they, they, that's that's kind of cool yeah you know it's kind of funny it's, yeah <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll see what other interesting stories and stats get brought up um yeah uh sure i guess more. uh tomorrow at 8 a.m we have uh the france tunisia denmark australia game and then uh, the noon game, this is for us in mountain time, obviously. We have Poland, Argentina, and Saudi Arabia, Mexico. So that's that's tomorrow. Fill your boots, people. <laughs> it is rapid fire. Keeps coming. Keeps really delivering. Does. I'm so excited for it. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, enjoy your night. And uh, yeah, we got to keep in touch and do this again as, as, as more stories and just juicy things roll out. Sounds great. <laughs> All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Enjoy your World Cup, everybody.